0: Great time is over. CL. Y'all know what time? Uh. The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down. This is the rundown. This is the rundown. If you ain't know the deal, I bet you know now. This is the fans' voice. You hear them both Calm. This what the people need.
1: Yeah, Yeah. Hey, 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 hey What they do, y'all? What's going down? It's your homie, homie It's CL back Live on the Rundown Sports Podcast Gotta know that And I'd like to thank y'all for listening However you listening And uh, today's episode is brought to you by TheRundown.com That's D-A-Rundown.com Gotta know it That is Atlanta's very own home Sports, entertainment, and a little bit of everything in between. And uh, if you're feeling this podcast and anything we're doing, please go ahead subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, rate us, uh, or you can find us on Stitcher Radio. And I'm gonna try to get more consistent about putting every episode on YouTube. So uh, if you prefer to YouTube, we'll put it on there, and we'll even have a little bookmark so y'all can skip ahead to the different topics. Now, uh, with all that said. Uh, Today got a new homie on the podcast I got Jay Hicks from the Hip Hop Sports Report And uh, I had been following Jay for a little while And since I just got back active I had to go ahead and reach out to him Because as you can tell by the name of his podcast uh, We got two of the same interests So Hip Hop and Sports, a lot to talk about So much to talk about That uh, I went ahead and just split it into two So well, this first part right here it's going to be mostly just the NBA playoffs because uh, he's from Cleveland, I'm in Atlanta, and uh, we on the crash course. So we, we talk about all that. And uh, without further ado, here's Jay Hicks. And uh, today, got a new friend on the podcast. I uh, I have Jay Hicks from the Hip Hop Sports Report. What's going down, Jay? What's up, good to see you. How you feeling? Oh, man, I'm cool. right here in the A. Uh Taking a peek at this Hawks, I know you're doing the same.
2: Absolutely, absolutely.
1: Now what? Uh, no I've been keeping up with you here and there for about, I say, the last year. I just haven't been active myself, so this is a long time in the making. So, uh, I wish I had a little bit more for you, cause I know I, uh, I really been keeping tabs on you, and uh, I like what you're doing over there.
2: Thank you, thank you. I appreciate that, man. It's um, it's uh, it's gratifying work. It's gratifying work. It's gratifying knowing that you you're doing what you really love, and that you're working on something that is meaningful to you, and you're doing something that you was put here to do. You know, and so whenever you're able to do stuff like that, it's um, it's that's where you need to be.
1: Okay. Now, like, what's some of your influences that that sent you down this path? Some influences that sent me down this
2: path, uh, honestly, well, they, they come twofold. So first of all, I have a lot of personal influences, just people in my day to day life that know me, that know my uh, argumentative nature. Um, <laughs> I've never been one to back down from a debate. I wasn't on a debate team in high school, but I could have been, yeah. just because I love to, I love banter and I love the uh, to. I've always been a little bit different with my opinions on um, sports and music, which is uh, kind of where I came with came up with this podcast. Uh, you know, like coming up, my favorite uh, athlete was Charles Barkley, and I grew up in, a, in an era where everybody liked Jordan. You know what I'm saying? And I like Jordan too, but Jordan wasn't my favorite player. But I can sit there and tell you why Charles Barkley was the man. You know what I mean? So that's just kind of how I came up, and to okay. this day – it's still kind of like that in a lot of respects. Just, um, you know, people like my parents, my brother, um, close friends of mine, always telling me, encouraging me to do stuff. I even had advisors in college that told me I could be the next Stephen A. Smith. You know what I mean? Mm. And and, um, and so I just kind of wanted to make something out of that. And then I, you know, I went to school to work in sports, and I and I did work in professional sports for a little bit, and um, and so now. It's kind of like this. I'm able to use my website as a vehicle to stay connected and to hone my uh, written and verbal communication skills. And so it all kind of works out. So I had those influences. And then I have professional influences, just um, people that I've worked with in business that have kind of encouraged me to come down this path. And and then just people who I've been a fan of, people who's either writing or podcasts I've been a fan of. And and um, just seeing people like Bill Simmons, I really admire Bill Simmons, even though he catches a lot of flack. Or, for for some of his opinions and some of the says and does i don't agree with everything he says and does but i just admire his grind and kind of where he came from and, and how he does the podcasting and the writing thing and and how he basically came from nothing and just was self-made right and um and i like his his kind of approach to writing and things like that so there's a lot of different um a lot of different influences
1: yeah man i'm a um i'm a big bill Simmons supporter myself he uh he does some real good stuff and i like the whole grant land swag and the whole little mop they got going there Shout out Jalen Rose once again uh, One of my Absolute favorite podcasts ever uh, And uh, it's funny that you said that you was a Barkley fan Because everybody was with Jordan Now let me ask you this What's your favorite color? What's my favorite? Yeah, what's your favorite color? My favorite color? Yeah Um, uh, Black Okay so you must have picked black when everybody was cho- choosing blue. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I mean, I like blue too, but I mean, I mean, black is probably my favorite color for a minute though. All right,
1: cuz uh, uh, uh black black is beautiful. Black is beautiful. All right, cuz I was the same way. Everybody was going Jordan, so I went Shaq. Okay, and, Shaq was your blue. Okay. Right. So when everybody went blue, I went red. And,
0: yeah, uh, I I think that's
1: that's <laughs> that's like it's something about that where you always got to go with the the contrary to what everybody else is doing and it always ends up manifesting itself later on in life and i just i don't know sometimes i look back and i'll be like yeah i really was just different all the way through you know even through high school i just never really you know was you know you just living in the moment but just looking back like yeah i just mm-hmm. did never fit in with everybody right there so uh right it's uh, it's funny you say that, man. no well, yeah,
2: I mean, like I said,
1: I, I've always, you know,
2: Barkley's always been my dude, and everybody liked Jordan coming up, and Jordan had the sneakers, Jordan had the championships, he had the commercials. Everybody loved Jordan. That was that was too easy for me, I guess. So I was like, you know what? Let me go with the villain, because back then Chuck was considered the the bad guy and Mike was the good guy. So I'm like, well, let me rock with the bad guy because nobody else is rocking with him. And I was genuinely a fan. I wasn't just being a contrarian just for the sake of being a contrarian. You know what I mean? I I, I like Barkley, but I could back it up, and and so that's kind of where I am today. I, I take stances and I take opinions and I make predictions and I have evidence to back it up, and you'll find
1: all of that on Hip Hop Sports support Okay, now let me ask you this about Barkley: Are you comfortable with him being the spokesman for all black people now?
2: <laughs> man, I'm not comfortable with anybody being the spokesperson for or anybody. You know they what I'm saying? Like, so much, literally. man, like. They, they do. Well, I mean, in the black community, they, they're, they're fickle, man. They don't because a lot of a lot of people don't understand all that Barkley has done. He's done a lot of charity for the black community over the years. He was one of uh, President Obama's biggest supporters when he was still a senator. He helped. Um, he did a chapter with Barack Obama in one of his books when Barack was still a senator. So it's like people don't. You know they look at everything he's saying now and they they taking it out of context they think that he's some kind of uncle tom or something like that and it's like not really he's really just fair now you might not agree with what he has to say but he's still being fair or what he believes is fair and i think that's admirable you can't just um just you know segment or or, or break down uh one thing that charles has to say and then just blow it out of proportion and then just judge him solely on that one thing he said a lot of stuff and done a lot of stuff over the years that i don't agree with and cannot defend but that doesn't mean he's not entitled to that opinion and i think at the end of the day when you look at uh, the totality of his whole career um being a um of public figure and just the things that he's supported and the things that he's been in favor of I don't think anybody can sit here and call him an Uncle Tom. He used to get called racist back in the day by white people. Now he's getting <laughs> called Uncle Tom by black people, you know? But he married a white, you know what I'm saying? But he's been, like I said, been in, in favor of Barack Obama and has done a lot of charity work in the black community. He built a church that's, you know, and he he uh, lived from Leeds, Alabama, you know, uh, they did a whole uh, big article. Um, uh, it's like I guess the first article uh, on Jason Whitlock's new website, The Undefeated, they did a whole uh, Barkley- uh, Retrospective, I've going, you know, and breaking down his whole career, yeah, or not his whole career so much, but but his whole high school career and his whole life in Alabama and all that stuff, and they talked about how he built churches in Alabama. He's done all kinds of stuff that people don't want to pay attention to or don't give him credit for, it. but that's just how it goes. But to answer your question, no one person should really be the spokesperson <laughs> for anybody because anytime you're looking at it like that, you you bound for trouble.
1: Yeah, man, it, it just tickles me how like you know. People getting outraged because of what Charles Barkley says like he's just you know king of all black people I'm like it's just a uh, you know black guy from Alabama who used to play pro basketball like calm down it's okay
2: right right he's he's not running for president he's not running for pastor you know he's just a guy and people care what he thinks man so they stick a microphone in front of his face and they ask him questions he's not afraid to answer him that's really what it boils down to it ain't it's no it's no agenda there he just is not afraid to say how he really feels i I wish more people could be like that
1: for real now what i could have went in on that Obama thing i'm gonna say that for another podcast all i'm gonna say is (laughs) the real change is gonna come after he's not president just keep your eyes on it it's not gonna come while he's president it'll be after you gotta get the success first moving on let's talk about these playoffs because uh yeah are you in cleveland
2: no, I am, uh, I'm from Cleveland. You're from, from Cleveland. Cleveland. Um, yeah, so uh, I got a lot of love for all the Cleveland teams. I am the tortured Cleveland sports fan that you oh, hear so goodness. much about. That's me. That's Ooh. me. And, um, and I, haven't, I haven't even experienced it all. You know what I'm saying? I'm not that old. So I'm not, I haven't even lived through all of the trauma. But I have enough to know what it's all about, and I've had more than my fair share of taste. So yeah, I'm a Cleveland uh, fan of, the, of those teams, and um, I, I live in Illinois now. But uh, okay. but I still ride for Cleveland all day.
1: All right, better though. Now I used to stay up in Danville, Illinois, for a little bit. So uh, okay, I'm, yeah, I'm gonna leave it there. Yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna, but all right. So you a Cleveland fan? I'm in Atlanta. Everybody coming into the playoffs basically saying crash course, Cleveland, Atlanta, Eastern Conference Final. Now Derrick Rose Mm -hmm. is acting like, old Derrick Rose. Um, I don't think it's really going to make a difference in the long run. But do you see Derrick Rose possibly stopping that crash course that Cleveland and Atlanta's been on?
2: No, I don't. And it's not because – it ain't, it ain't going to be for a lack of trying, number one. And it's not because uh Chicago's not capable of defeating the Cavaliers in the series. I think the intelligent take coming into this basketball season was that Chicago was the team to beat, assuming Derrick Rose was going to be healthy. With the with the assumption that he was healthy and he was going to remain healthy for the entire season, and looking at the acquisition of pau Gasol, the maturation of Jimmy Butler – Tom Thibodeau still being one of the elite coaches in the league with that defensive foundation there. And the Bulls have done a great job developing players. You've seen how they developed Butler. You've seen how they developed Tony Snell. Uh, Now you're seeing um, Miritich, who is banged up right now. But, I mean, he had a fantastic rookie season. He he was great this year. So they have a very deep team, and and they're very good. So it's not that Cleveland cannot uh, lose to Chicago. Absolutely Chicago could beat them. I don't see it happening, though. I think the Cavaliers have too much talent. I think LeBron, everybody acts like, no. and I said this on the website recently, everybody acts like the uh, the Cavs should be afraid of the Bulls for some reason, but why would LeBron be afraid of the Bulls? LeBron's beat the Bulls in the playoffs like four times, you know? he's He's gone head-to-head with Joe Kim Noah many times and Derrick Rose many times, and he's won. They've never beaten him in the playoffs. He's beaten them at least two or three times, if I'm not mistaken, and so... Um, seeing the Bulls again in the playoffs is nothing new to LeBron James or the Cavs for that matter so i don't see you know i don't i don't look at that matchup and say that Cleveland's going to be intimidated by them i think i think the biggest issue for the Cavs is going to be uh is is their defensive uh issues they have a lot of they're out of position a lot of times on defense they they don't have a lot of rim protection on defense and sometimes they're just flat out lazy and chicago though is not a team that is equipped to take advantage of that cuz you see how much they're struggling with Milwaukee offensively right now. And Milwaukee's a pretty decent defensive team, but I don't feel like Rose is at a point where he can carry the offense like we're accustomed to seeing like when he was an MVP. And so I don't know that the Bulls are going to be able to take advantage of the Cavs inability to get stops at certain times. And so I think that's going to be the difference.
1: Okay. Yeah, I'm 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 right there with you only because for one LeBron is still going to be the best player on the floor and especially when you're not in the Eastern Conference or even the Finals, the best player is usually always getting the better of the series and I really I mean, like Jimmy Butler is really, really impressive. Not going to lie about it. I I couldn't have guessed that, you know maybe I'm just not that locked in to, to hoops, but If I had to choose between him and D-Rose, I'm going with Jimmy Butler. So, I mean, between that and the fact, you know, the offense is finally looking like something something you could actually feel good about going into an NBA Finals with. uh, Because before, you know, they looked like a JV team out there on offense. You know, they just couldn't get a bucket to save their life. But, uh, you know, pal, the... With the spacing that they're able to create with him and even him being able to just knock down seventeen footers is it's trouble. And <clears throat> I mean, Kevin Love would really have to stay in front of dude. And I don't know, man. I I feel like that might be a matchup they could really take advantage of. So I, I got I my was eye on it.
2: Any team. Yeah, I was gonna say if I was if I was any team uh playing the Cavaliers my game plan number attack Kevin Love defensively at every chance. Whoever he's guarding. So if the Cavs play the Bulls and they got Kevin Love starting off on Powell Gasol, I'm dumping it in a Gasol every single time. It might make more sense for the Cavaliers to to have to match up Kevin Love with Noah uh when the Cavs were on defense because Maybe. Noah is not he Noah's not gonna look for his shot as much. Whereas Pau Gasol is going to look to score because he's an offensive-minded player. It might make more sense to put somebody with some more size on him, like Timothy Timothy Mozgov, and then let Love play Noah and and, and make Noah try to beat Kevin Love off the dribble if he wants to do that, which he can do, but, but uh, do you I, really, I would be trying to attack Kevin Love at all times.
1: I was going to say, do you really want your – with Mozgov, I don't think you really want your uh, rim protector too far out with Pau Gasol because he'll wet you from 17. And that'll leave a wide open lane for derrick rose and jimmy butler that's a hey hey you know i'm wide open uh
2: so uh that's a good point that's a good point it's something it's something to think about but the bulls they run a lot of uh high low action with with noah too because they like to put noah at the high post and let noah operate because he's a he's a fantastic passer so uh either way i think he's going to be drawn away from the basket a little bit mazgov is it's something that the Cavaliers are going to have to do they're going to have to get better man they're their team defense has has not been great, uh, really at any point this season hasn't been great, but it especially has not been very good against Boston these first two games. They were much better uh, in game two than they were in game one against the Celtics, but as, as a team, the Cavaliers have to, have to get better defensively because I don't, you know, sooner or later they're going to come across some teams that are going to be equipped to take advantage of it on a regular basis, like the Atlanta Hawks, for instance, or
1: pretty much anybody from the western conference okay so i know you 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 got a vested interest so we're gonna leave that one on and i still think cleveland gonna win but i'm i'm just concerned you know if if derrick rose really gonna be derrick rose i'm a little concerned now it's it's just a little different than last time now what i want to just talk i don't about, think there's any go ahead i'm sorry i was
2: gonna say real quick I, I was real quick, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I don't think there's any reason, there's no reason to believe that Derrick Rose is going to be Derrick Rose. I mean, Derrick Rose, even when he's played this year, he shot like 20% on threes or whatever, like, and he can slash some, but Kyrie Irving has improved defensively. J.R. Smith's a pretty good defender. Iman Shumper is a very good defender. True. I think there's enough bodies on the cast, and they can always throw LeBron James on him and just shut him down completely, because we've seen that in the playoffs before when LeBron was in Miami. And... Eric Spolster decided to stick Rose with LeBron and Rose couldn't do nothing with him. And that was when Rose was at uh, peak Derek Rose. Yeah, he was MVP He's not at Rose. Derrick Rose <laughs> exactly. So, worst come to the worst, they stick LeBron on him and 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 he'll shut that down. So, I think the Cavaliers got
1: options on the perimeter. Got to know that, man. Now, uh, I want to just talk a little bit more in general. Um, one thing that I have noticed, and matter of fact, Bomani Jones already brought it up the other night is guys that when you look, you like, damn, dude still in the league? Where he been at? And for me, it was O.J. Mayo. I knew he was in the league, but did not know what he looked like. When I saw him, I thought it was a Frederick Douglass impersonator, and that really just <laughs> got me off. Um, seeing Gerald Wallace on the Celtics bench, like – did not know he was buried underneath that contract Uh, who else I mean like Charlie Villanueva I mean I can't believe how many different guys I did not know were still playing and they're just out there on teams in the playoffs I'm about to say anybody you know that, that made you say that
2: yeah I mean I'm trying to think man it's no nobody that uh, jumps out of my head that, that I just had no idea that they even played for that team. Or something um, you just noticed. Trying to
1: think, What's some things you really started yeah, just I like, mean, like Milwaukee for example. I didn't know that everybody on the team was the same size. You know, I was not aware <laughs> of that because when I look, I'm like, is everybody on the squad six seven to six nine? Like, this is different, and I see how it kind of does work on the defensive side and that you know everybody being able to switch but i just didn't know it i, I really got to start watching a lot more basketball maybe that's just it because i know you locked in yeah, like you and, said well. you got the league pass, so you probably see a lot more than me
2: <laughs> well what's funny is that uh, you know they got jabari parker on the bucks too that's about six eight you know what i right. mean so he's not even out there that's another one but that's... uh one thing um, I can't think of too many guys off the top of my head as far as I know he was still in the league. I, I'll come back to that though if I think of somebody because I think there is somebody out there that I thought about recently, but I just can't pull that name out right now. But one thing that I've noticed um, about the playoffs in general is I did not know that Dwight Howard was looking like Dwight Howard again. Mm. Um, I don't know if you you know it caught seen any it. of the game last night. But I saw that. He caught about 15. He caught about 15 alley-oops last night, man. And um, it was yeah. really uh, it was really embarrassing for Dallas. Like, I, I don't understand how they are going to show themselves, show their faces in Texas after that performance last night. What I mean, like, they, had, they got Tyson Chandler on Dallas. I, well, that's a whole other situation. <laughs> like, I was going to say, I did not <laughs> know. Like, Rondo, man, <laughs> it, it just wasn't a good fit. And I was wrong. I actually had Dallas going to the finals before the season started because I liked a lot of their moves in the offseason. And I picked – on my on my site, I picked Dallas to upset Houston in the first round. Um, but what I did not know why Dwight Howard was gonna look like this, because we have not seen this Dwight Howard since Orlando. He wasn't playing like this with the Lakers. I mean he he's got that bounce and that explosiveness back. I don't know if he had it was just his back was messed up or what his situation was, but he looks healthy and he looks uh dominant on the defensive end. He's he's blocking shots, he's changing shots he's and he's catching lobs on on the other end and he's not they don't have to worry about throwing the ball into him in the post and and having the offense get bogged down with him with his whack post moves they don't have to worry about that they got (laughs) they got right they got they got dwight standing there ready to catch lobs on the back end when josh smith or harden or jason terry drives the lane and and the dallas defense steps up it's it's working perfectly so far so i didn't know he was going to look like that i didn't know chandler parsons knee was that messed up either because they just said today that he's out for the rest of the playoffs yeah had i know i saw I, if anybody if any of my uh listeners are listening to this podcast i want to get a mulligan on that prediction for <laughs> dallas in six because i did not know that chandler parsons knee was messed up and i did not know dwight howard uh went to uh germany and got the kobe surgery or whatever and came back looking like five years ago dwight howard so had I known that, I would have picked Houston. So no disrespect to, to my Houston people.
1: I mean, it, it is what it is with injuries. You just never know. And uh, that's that's just like with the NFL. Uh, the healthiest team is usually always one of the better teams. And uh, absolutely that, that always, is, I guess you could say that's true in any sport. Um, now, I will say this. The fact that Josh Smith was having a career night I know it pissed off Rick Carlisle. And if you would have told me that Josh Smith was going to have a career night in a playoff game at the beginning of the season, I probably would have just said, "What kind of drugs are you on?" And like <laughs> well, at the I, beginning <laughs> of the season, he was still on,
2: he was still in Detroit at the beginning of the season. So that would have meant the Pistons exactly. would have made the playoffs. Probably.
1: Exactly. So, but, you I would mean, have, that's that's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. You would have told me that the, the Detroit Pistons would have been in the playoffs and Josh Smith would have had a career night. Think about how far we are from that scenario right now. It's incredible.
2: It is, man. It is. But you gotta you gotta give him credit, man. As long as as long as uh Josh isn't taking jumpers. Yeah, it's what's funny about it man is you could still like when he was in Atlanta and you know this. When he was in Atlanta and he used to take those twenty footers and those three pointers man, the crowd oh, God. would just go uh oh, every time he would shoot and it's funny is that you would see a little bit of that in Detroit and you see a little bit of that in Houston now like those intelligent basketball fans are still just groaning out loud like what are you doing every time he's about to uh to lock and load from 20 <laughs> you know what I'm saying it's just it's it's all bad and he made one I saw him make one yesterday and then he took like two or three more and he missed them all and it's just like that's the uh, that's the one thing that 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 comes out of it. That's the good that comes out of it for Dallas. That he makes the shot is that he's going to take a bunch more and they're not going to go in. But he's when he's not when he's not taking ill-advised jumpers and he's playing within himself, he can still help a basketball team. He can still rebound. He's still athletic and long. He can defend. And he was showing uh, uh, some some court vision last night that I had never seen from him before. So he was playing fantastic, man. He, uh, Dallas has all kinds of problems on defense right now, and Houston. Houston's probably the one team that I can't really figure out, because all season long everybody said it was just about James Harden, James Harden, and just if you look at the roster from top to bottom, it's not an impressive roster, but they make it work somehow. And I mean, they're 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 a great rebounding team, uh, they're a pretty good defensive team, and and when they're hitting shots, man, it, they're tough to beat.
1: Yeah, man, I'm I'm. I'm thinking it's it's going to be a problem for them. And at this point, uh, I say if the Clippers really do have enough to get past the Spurs now, I think Houston could take them and definitely would be in the play for a championship versus Golden State. Now, who do you have in the finals? Let me ask you that first. So originally, I mentioned that I had Dallas coming
2: out the west before the season started. So I make I make predictions oh, on the site okay. about wow. you know before That's the season, right. before before the yeah. So before the season, I make predictions and um and and then you know if, if need be I, I adjust them. Completely. so I felt the need to adjust that Dallas prediction because I knew that they they weren't they weren't a championship caliber team. But uh, before the season, I had the Cavaliers and the Mavericks, and uh, at the start of the playoffs. Hmm. I adjusted that to, to Cleveland and Golden State in the finals, um, and really, in in the West, it was all about the matchups and and, and how the bracket fell. I just feel like Golden State they're going to beat New Orleans without too much difficulty, and then when you look at the second round matchup against Portland or Memphis, I just felt like they were kind of have their way against either one of those teams, um, and so to me. I think Golden State's biggest obstacle would be the San Antonio Spurs. And if they play the
1: Spurs, you think it's Memphis? I think it's Memphis. And, I mean, they would have to find their offense four times out of seven. But I really do think that Memphis would be the biggest, like, factor because they can't compete with them down low. Just no, there's no way around it. So if they were able to like just consistently get buckets on the on the Warriors, I could definitely see them taking them down. See, I think Golden State
2: has enough bodies to throw at those guys. I mean, not no no disrespect to Zebo and Gasol, But if you look at first of all, Draymond Green has been fantastic this year. I mean, and, shout out to the uh, show. I don't think anybody really expected him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anybody expected him to be this, this good defensively all season, but they played him at the three to four and the five all year. He, he's probably too small to guard Zebo and Basalt, but he can yes. definitely give you some quality minutes and he has the length. He's got the length. If, if he doesn't have the height, he's, his, his arms are long enough to where he can present problems for Randolph on the, on the block. I feel like, but then besides him, they still have Bogut. David Lee was never known as a defender, but he's a competent player. And, uh, Bogan's a very good defender. And you still have Maurice Spates, who used to play at Memphis, I believe. And so he's a little bit familiar with Zebo and Gasol. And he's a he's a tough dude. He's the he's all NBA first team goon. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Maurice Spates isn't gonna back down. He's all goon, so he's not gonna back down from that challenge. So uh I think that Golden State has enough bodies to kinda of throw at Memphis, but especially with, with Mike Conley and Tony Allen being banged up, I have no idea how they're gonna stay with Curry and Thompson on the perimeter. And so I just feel like the Warriors do what they do better than Memphis does what they do. They're a better perimeter-oriented team than Memphis is an interior-oriented team. And I feel like we kind of saw a lot of that during the season. Um, I think Memphis, I think Memphis beat them once and lost twice, if I'm not mistaken, during the regular season. So I think if if we saw a playoff matchup between them, I think it would go six or seven. But I think they would still get the best of Memphis. And the Spurs, in my opinion, would be the team to take down Golden State. The problem is, I don't think the Spurs are going to get there. So,
1: yeah, that that's that's really going to be an issue. I think this is finally the time where we're definitely going to see the age on the Spurs because they're going to get bounced in the first round. And you know, it's you think they're going to get bounced in the first round? I see it, bro. It's at, at some point. I, I think just you know, youth is just beat them. That's all it's going to be. And I know they're deep, and I know Clippers don't have a bench, but the five that there are, you know, to if they got to play 40-something minutes, it is what it is, but they can beat the Spurs. And I, I just feel like What's some, funny about that? fresh legs, man. Yeah.
2: You no, know, I mean, I, I picked the Clippers to beat the Spurs also in the first round. But I didn't feel like a lot of people had done that. I didn't I feel like most people just kind of checked off the Spurs and kept it moved. But I was thinking about it and um before the playoffs started, and I'm just looking at the matchups and I'm just thinking, like, I don't know how I don't know how San Antonio's gonna stay with these boys up front. Like before like nobody talked about it, but DeAndre Jordan averaged 14 points and 17 rebounds a game the last three months in the season. So that's solid. I mean, like, that's that's not, yeah, that's that's not no small sample size. We're talking three months of the season. We're talking basically from the beginning of February in the year, this dude was averaging 17 boards a night. That's those are Rodman numbers, you know what I mean? Like, people don't really do that anymore. So, and and considering the type of athlete that he is and the type of athlete that Blake is, and considering that Tiago Splitter is banged up, I don't know how San Antonio. Is going to deal with those guys unless they throw Kawhi Leonard on Blake Griffin but even then you're, you know you're hurting yourself in the perimeter because then who's going to stay with CP3 I feel like Kawhi Leonard could stick CP some of the time but you're asking a lot from him to be a, a, a pivotal part of your offense and have to guard Blake and or Chris Paul significant minutes so that's kind of why I felt like the Clippers could get the best of them in a seven game series plus they had home court advantage
1: All right, that's the conclusion of part one of my chat with Jay Hicks. As you can see, uh, we could have probably went on for another 30 minutes just talking about the playoffs alone. So uh, stay tuned for part two, and uh, thanks for listening.
0: The mother guys ain't got no style. We know what's up before we go down.
1: What's going down, people. It's your homie C.L. back once again on the Rundown Sports Podcast. You gotta know that, and uh, thank y'all for coming back for uh, part two of my chat with Jay Hicks. Uh, talk a little NFL, a little T. Bo, uh, a lot of hip hop. I uh, we didn't get too much into it, a lot of nuts and bolts, but he does a lot of album reviews, so you know, I kind of Asked him about a few of the projects that he's already reviewed, and then we kind of look into Drake. Um, a lot of stuff we covered in this one, also. So, uh, once again, without further ado, here's part two with Jay Hicks. I want to talk a little bit of NFL, and I don't know. At first, I wanted to talk NFL schedule, but I, I just couldn't get into it. I was like, I'm not ready for that yet. We, I gotta really, <laughs> we gotta wait till the draft happens and then that'll make things a little bit more interesting so can i can i say something that cl can i I speak on that right quick but go ahead
2: yeah i mean i want to i want to applaud you for what you just said because i 110 percent agree with with everything you just commented regards to the nfl schedule the nfl is trying to turn this into an event it's not really an event no i don't care like and i i love the nfl they can't make me care about the schedule release I look to see who the Cleveland Browns played and I look to see because I'm a huge Tom Brady supporter. I look to see who the Patriots play. And that was it. I I've moved on. Like, I don't, I don't have any desire to, to see who the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars are going to play in week nine. I don't care. Like you cannot make me care about that. It's a non-story and they kind of trying to make it into a bigger story than what it is. And so, um, and then the other funny thing is you see a lot of the pundits and people on television and radio, you know, trying to go game for game and break it down and say, okay, what well, they're going to lose this first game week three, that's a win. Week four, that's a loss. You have no way of knowing right now. Mm. Anybody that pretends like they know right now is lying. Cause like you said, number one, we haven't even had the draft yet. Not at all. And number two, I mean, look at last year, who would have thought that the new Orleans saints would have, would have, not even made the playoffs uh last year. Like they they wound up being a terrible team here and a lot of people yes. myself included thought they were going to they were a Super Bowl contender. So I... you don't know you don't know in in uh April what the what the next NFL season is going to look like. How are you going to say in April who's going to win a game in November? Like you have no way of knowing. You don't know the injuries, you don't know anything. So yeah. I just think it's a non story. I'm just glad I just glad I'm glad you had that
1: position too. Okay. Now you what you just said, because I'm a Saints fan and I did not like the fact that everybody liked us for the Super Bowl. I said this is terrible. We're gonna have a terrible <laughs> year. I can't believe everybody <laughs> is picking us for the Super Bowl and it just happened. Like I just knew it. I, there was nothing I could do about it because everybody was just, like, looking like the Saints. And I was like, I don't see what y'all see. Like, we got some nice pieces, but it's, I don't think we got the right staff yet. I It was, it was a lot to do. So, I don't know. I, like I said, it's just too early to talk about the schedule. I, I need more details. But um, just tell me real quick, though, what you think about, like, Tim Tebow stalking Mark Sanchez?
2: <laughs> man i like um i, I always like tim tebow i think i think it's kind of funny man like i think black people hate tim tebow i think you that's think so it like a lot of yeah i think i mean a lot of a lot of white folks dislike tim tebow or i don't even think they dislike tebow as much as they dislike the annoying coverage of tebow that's what i dislike i don't like the constant round the clock coverage of tebow 24 7 but i think a lot of black people despise tim tebow because they look at him, and he's not the prototypical NFL quarterback. Just like uh, we've seen, a lot of uh, black quarterbacks aren't the prototypical drop back pocket passes. But the black quarterbacks have a tough road to hold. You know what I'm saying? They, it's not easy for them to to get noticed. A lot of times, if you're a black quarterback in college football, they look at you and automatically say, "Okay, he's going to be a receiver in the league, mm. or he's going to mm. be, you know, he's going to be DB in the league, or a kick returner, or something like that." Like you can't—they don't even let you. Uh, uh quarterback like denar robinson was a, was a very good college quarterback and he's
0: i
1: wouldn't uh, say that.
2: a running back for the jaguar right would, so mm-hmm. and then tim Tebow comes along you know doesn't have has a decent arm not the best arm wildly inaccurate and black and but he's mobile and i think black people are looking at him saying like yeah he's 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 a lot like a lot of these black quarterbacks that they came get, before him who get, couldn't converted. get a fair shake mm-hmm. so yeah, and, th- and so they can't wait to trash Tebow for that reason because so many people trash so many black. That's my own personal theory about it, but uh, but I actually I don't I don't like Tim Tebow in the sense that I I think he's a great player. I think he's a serviceable quarterback. I think he's a better quarterback than people give him credit for because the the line that I always go back to is it's never been proven that Tim Tebow cannot win in the NFL because, because when he had the he produced and he won and we saw him take Denver to the playoffs. We saw him the comeback victory after comeback victory. We saw him win a playoff game. It's the same things that we saw him do on the collegiate level. So when I look at the Arizona Cardinals and they're throwing Ryan Lindley out there in the playoff game against Carolina last year. And I'm like, this dude doesn't belong anywhere near a football field, but Tim Tebow sitting on the couch at home and can't get a phone call. Like that doesn't make sense to me. So, um, I think Tim Tebow belongs in the NFL. I think he belongs in the NFL as a backup. And I think that if he makes the team and he winds up playing for the Eagles, I think he's going to win some football games for them. I really do. He may not win a lot of games, but I think he's going to win some because that's that's what he, he's, he's it's never been proven that he can't do it.
1: He's won at every level. And, and see, I got a different theory about what Tebow's real role will be. And... I've been hearing, you know, people kind of going toward a a little like one side of it, which is, you know, he'll probably be a red zone threat, short yardage guy, because of the type of offense that Chip Kelly run. Now, I feel exactly what you're saying when it comes to like the resentment that Tebow might be receiving from the black community. And the thing about it is, it's like, what's your campaign? And and, like you know, in twenty fifteen, when you got that campaign strong, you can get people to just believe in you, and that's the one thing that you know a lot of them black quarterbacks back in the day just never had they didn't come right now, you know, if they would have had a chance to really like find a little platform and maybe give them a chance, who knows what could happen, but most likely not because we know what it we know what what time it is we ain't gonna we ain't gonna go too deep into it, you know we for whatever reason, Warren Moon just couldn't get into the NFL, where he just wanted of the nastiest quarterbacks of all time. So, you know, you could just see the writing on the it wall. It took there. a while. It, it took it took him yeah, a while. It so. took a while.
2: But and when, and when he and when he got there, what did he do? He balled out when he was with Houston. You know, every time. And when he was with Minnesota. So, yeah. So I mean, it's um, it's it's weird, man. It's just it's just about opportunity. I think people don't like the the media scrutiny that comes with Tim Tebow. And they're afraid of that extra scrutiny and that extra attention. And so, rather than deal with all that baggage, they don't even pick up the phone to call him. And yes, so, yes. again, I'm not saying that he's a great quarterback or a great passer, but I just feel like I feel like you can win football games with him at your quarterback, and you can do a lot worse. And I've know. seen a lot worse year after year. I've seen a lot of worse cast than
1: Tim Tebow. It don't work, man. I'm telling you, you can't depend on completing one pass in a game. And hoping that you win no, I by agree. field goal. So what I'm I'm thinking, Tebow. I agree. Tebow is going to be more of Chip Kelly's guy. He the other side of it is Tim Tebow's influence in the locker room. So when these guys come in, and Tim Tebow has that effect on them, you know that like man, I believe in Chip, and he's going to fall in line. And he's going to lead others to fall in line, especially those that come in that's a little bit stronger in faith. They're going to already just fall in line. So I think it's more of a locker room thing that Tim Tebow is there more than it is just on the field. And that's why you don't see LaShawn McCoy. You don't see Deshaun Jackson because these dudes were strong. They ain't really, they ain't go with the whole Chip Kelly swag. They wasn't 100% buying it. That's why they're not in there right now. He need dudes that's like what chip say is the truth and i'm going with it you know it's a new type of belichick swag that he putting out there tebow's the ultimate
2: rah-rah guy you know he's a he's a college dude through and through just with the with the passionate speeches and the you know uh get the crowd fired up like he's 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 the ultimate rah-rah kind of quarterback and um the players that aren't superstars are probably going to be more likely to feed off of that. And Chip Kelly didn't already ship all the superstars out of town. So that would make a lot of sense.
1: So uh, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I'm going to see how I shake out with Chip Kelly. Cause they, you know, they still got whispers talking about, he still might go get Mariota. And I'm like, so everybody just feel like that. He's just the second best thing because nobody's talking about trading up and getting James Winston. But anyway, um, I don't want to keep it going too long, but I want to highlight you about a piece that I seen on your website where you was talking about Mike Tyson and Tiger Woods and the parallels. And I really, as soon as it you, as soon as I read the title, I had to like sit back and I was like, I could already see where you going with it. You know, just kind of sum that up for the people real quick, cause I thought it was real interesting.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thank you for reading this. So yeah, basically, on uh, hiphopsportsreport dot I, I put together a list of reasons why Mike Tyson and Tiger Woods was basically one and the same. And there, when you really stop and think about it, there's a lot of reasons just from their their dominance as as youths. I mean, like they were both extremely young, and they were breaking records, doing things they were so young and and a lot of it has to do with an intimidation factor like they, they were young and they were hungry and they would just wipe you out before you even had a chance to react like um, Tyson with the first second round knockouts back in the 80s Tiger woods doing the same thing putting uh, you know five six eight ten strokes between him him and the next competitor on Sunday and before I mean they were both electric talents and they both lost their father figures. Uh, in their lives, you know, Tiger, when he when his dad passed away, and and uh, Tyson, who never really knew his biological father like that, but his uh, mentor was Customato, his trainer, and he died in the '80s, uh, right at the time Tyson turned pro, and and those guys were kind of the the figures that kind of kept them on a the straight and narrow. It seems like, at least from a distance, anyway, and once they lost them, you could see the 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 chinks in the armor started to appear a little bit uh, with each of their respective careers. And they both kind of fell into some different forms of addiction. Um, They both were focused and they weren't on their games and, and they kind of, the fall off was real quick for both of them and and they, and Tyson was never really able to fully recover um, after he went to prison. Uh, I mean, he came back and won a championship, but he was beating up scrubs though. It really wasn't the same. And tiger, we've seen tiger win a bunch of uh, events that are nice but they're not majors, and anybody that's ever heard a Tiger interview knows that he's all about the major championships. And so until he wins a major, we're we're going to be longing for that old Tiger Woods, just like everybody was still longing for Mike Tyson to this day. We're still waiting to see – we're wishing that we could see the heavyweight division look like it was when Mike Tyson was at his peak. And so uh, I just thought it was interesting, the different parallels between them. And and it goes so deep, man. Like just cult- the cultural influence between the two of them is just – it's just a lot, man, and I never really thought about it. I just kind of stepped back and was just like, man, their 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 paths in in their sports careers have been very very similar, and hopefully Tiger's
1: able to turn around turn it around before it's too late. Yeah, and uh, and immediately I just thought of like the controversy with women, and really just the precipitous drop off right after that, and that was like, mm-hmm. man, that's that that's real deep right there, and. I'm, I'm trying to think, like, does that really do something that permanently damaged the psyche? Uh, because I know Tiger, his body has started to break down. But it's still like, is it a mental thing that, you know, you just no longer that same guy that you was before, you know, this whole breakdown? And and I don't know, man. I, I hope Tiger at some point does win another major. You know, that was the, the sole reason I ever even paid attention to golf. I mean uh as right. soon as he won the masters I mean my uh my uncle Red who uh passed on he actually gave me the first Tiger Woods game that came out on PlayStation. So I've been locked mm-hmm. in with Tiger since a child. So well, uh, you know, I, mm-hmm. I want to do it to be right, but it's it, it's not looking good, man. I mean, people still want Tiger to be
2: great just like they still want Mike Tyson to knock people out like that's what people want to see they they love that that dominance in the individual sport you know what i mean that's that's what's cool to people and so um you know like they talk about parity in other sports like parity in the nfl is such a big thing they don't want parity in golf they don't want parity in boxing they don't want parity in tennis they want somebody to go that's going to go out and dominate every single match every single fight every single opponent every single major and tiger woods for a long time was that dude him and mike were the same dude man they were the same dude and like you said i don't know if, what the problems with women i don't know if there's any correlation directly with that um maybe it has something to do with the fact i mean well i, I mean i guess you could say neither one of them had a lot of respect for him and, and we both kind of you know we, we saw that in both of them just as far as how them, they were womanizers and that kind of thing uh, but when they had their house in order, they was on top. You know, when 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 Tyson was married, even when he was married to Robin Gibbons, he was heavyweight champion of the world. So, I mean, I don't know. It's um, maybe there's something to be said for that. Maybe you know, a, a good woman is hard to find, and if you can find one, maybe she'll help you get
1: back to that point. Maybe is is Lindsay
2: Von the Tiger? Are they still rocking out? Maybe that'll help. Man, them they out.
1: still rocking because uh, he fell and not one his teeth out while he was at one of her events. So, uh, yeah, man, they uh, they still getting <laughs> right. it. So I don't know, bro. We, we, that's why I said I'm, I'm I'm rooting for dude. I'm glad he got a, got somebody that's uh, like kind of more on his level. I never agree with him marrying the nanny for somebody else. Um but uh, that's just me. That's my personal beliefs. If you like uh the number 1 golfer and a 100 million dollar athlete or a billion dollar athlete, whichever one he is, uh you know, you I don't think you should be trying to go after the nanny type. I think you should have somebody who kind of had a similar path, you know, kind of a lot of money in the bank, made their own way. Type thing, but uh that's neither here nor there. The ladies like to call that
2: the ladies like to
1: call that equally yoked.
2: <laughs> yes, there you go.
1: That's the phrase they always go back to. There you go. So we exactly. So that's what I think Tiger should have done in the first place, so I'm glad he's in that space now. Now what? Uh, Want to talk a little hip hop before you get out of here? Um, But real quick, who you got? Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather. Uh, Floyd Mayweather.
2: And I don't think it's going to be all that close. Um, I I mean, I've been a Manny Pacquiao fan for a long time. Um, Floyd Mayweather, I mean, it's nothing that you probably haven't already heard before, but he's the best defensive fighter I've ever seen. Yes. And, you know, far be it for me to – to to be the guy to bet against the guy that's never lost a fight. I don't see how you can sit there with a straight face and pick Manny Pacquiao. Not you, but anybody can sit there with a straight face and pick Manny Pacquiao to win. But Floyd Mayweather's never lost a fight in his career. I've been watching Floyd Mayweather fight for 15 years. I've never he's I've, he's been great from beginning to end. He's still great to this day. Yes. And he's 38 years old now. But um, I think what you're gonna see is I think Manny he's reckless and and he's just a tornado in the ring and that's just kind of what he does and it works for him. He's got to try to dirty it up and turn it into a street fight rather than turn it into a boxing match because he's not going to outbox Floyd Mayweather. But the problem is that Floyd is not dumb enough to fall into that uh, into that kind of trap. And even when he has done it, like kind of against Miguel Cotto, you saw Floyd kind of mix it up a little bit more and and you know almost intentionally get busted up like he would lean up against the ropes and just stay there and not even try to get away. I don't know if he's going to play those games with Pacquiao, but um, yeah. I think Floyd's you know Floyd being right-handed. And, uh, and Manny being a southpaw, I think you're going to see a lot of Floyd Mayweather shooting that straight right hand in there. And you're going to see Pacquiao taking a lot of punches. I think you're going to see Pacquiao uh, attempting a lot of punches and missing a lot of punches. And I think you're going to see Floyd shooting that straight right hand in there all night and and making Manny miss. I, I don't think it's going to be close. I think it's going to go 12 rounds, but I don't think it's going to be a close fight. Um, it was funny, this Manny Pacquiao ain't knocked nobody out since 2009. So all this talk about him being a big puncher and all that stuff—I mean, like we haven't seen that in a long time. So and Floyd's bigger than Manny. So there's a lot of things that are working in the Floyd's advantage, and, and I don't see any way that he loses.
1: It's it's it don't look good for for Manny. I mean, the every time I think about Manny Pacquiao, I just think about the time when he was on the mat, and I just can't get that image <laughs> out of my head. And then I'm thinking, like, so the dude that I just keep thinking about on the mat is finna get in the ring with Manny Pacquiao. His trainer said they got a strategy that they not let nobody in on to let them know what's coming. And I just, I want to see what that is. I'm, that right there just had me intrigued enough to see what it is that they're going to try to do to get Floyd Mayweather off his game because, I mean, you just can't hit the dude That's the, the one problem I mean, you look at any fight Every opponent Floyd Mayweather has They miss a lot of punches You know, it's always in that 30% And that right there tells me Like, you just can't hit the guy No matter how many times you swing So, May 2nd right. I mean, the funny thing, man Freddie Roach
2: talked a good game, man But there, there's nothing <clears throat> Excuse me There's nothing that hasn't been done before so if his strategy is to go to the body a lot and work the body, you know, we, we've seen people try that in, in many fights past before. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's not, that's not a fight that we haven't seen fall. Like he's not dropping any kind of new wisdom or knowledge by saying, like, oh, he's going to work the body a lot. We even saw Jose Luis Castillo try that method against Floyd Mayweather back in the day. So, I mean, I'm not saying that that's his strategy. I don't know what his strategy is. But whatever it is, whether it's work the jab, work the body, uh, try to make it a, a street fight, whatever. Like, it's nothing that hasn't been tried before, and it's nothing that hasn't been tried against Floyd Mayweather. So I don't know what they're going to do that hasn't been done. And I think ultimately Manny's going to revert back to who he is. Manny's fought like 57 fights in his career, and he's the same dude. He likes to mix it up. He likes to punch, and he likes to get punched. So <laughs> that's not going to change.
1: Yeah, so we're in the same boat. So uh, May 2nd is going down. And uh, I'm definitely going to be tuned in. But uh, let's talk a little hip-hop, man, and then I'm going to let you go because I know we've been kicking it for quite some time. Uh, <laughs> now, you, be, you do a lot of album reviews. So tell me who's in your playlist right now. Like, who who's making solid music to you right now? Uh, a lot of people, actually. I think it's... Uh, <clears throat> pardon me.
2: I think it's a lot of people i think we're in a good spot right now in hip-hop um i'm spent a lot of time at in the first quarter of the year listening to uh fab's young og project and um and uh it was funny as fab actually retweeted one of our articles that was really funny uh so you know i, I got a lot of love for fab off of that but besides that fab his i thought i like the Young og project a lot i yeah. like um i like currency's new one yeah shout out Loso. so uh, I like uh, Currency's new one, uh, Pilot Talk Three. Uh, um, so, I, it, but I've been a Currency fan for a minute. Uh, I'm still rocking with the Butterfly, Kendrick Lamar. We we talked about that on the on the on the podcast also. Um, um what else? Uh, Joey Badass's album is interesting. I thought that was an interesting album. It was really? it was so '90s. I'm not even convinced that that dude is really 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I think that dude is. I think he's older than me i think that dude is like 34 years old or something like that did nobody really know that but he's he's actually like in his mid-30s or something because for him to have the kind of vocabulary and perspective that he has and couple that with the with the sound of the music it sounds straight out of 1990 like like mid-90s 94 95 hip-hop it's crazy but uh but his album is good uh, and Big Sean's album was dope too. I thought Big Sean's was dope, and Lupe's was dope too. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot of good music out there. And I mean,
1: you know, you might not believe me, but all that stuff is still in my rotation right now. Okay, I mean, I believe you because that's a lot of people that I rock with. You know, I haven't had a chance to check out Joey Badass myself, but and but uh, he definitely got some potential and. Really, I just, I don't know. I haven't had time to just really sit down and listen to music. Like, I I still haven't heard Kendrick. Um, I listened to Big Sean. I was, I was glad that he did something that was a little bit more, I guess you could say, like, grown up. You know, I, I felt like he was a little bit more serious on this album. Uh, now, what you think about Drake's project? Because... They called it a mixtape, but then as I realized that Cash Money only makes money off Drake when he puts out an album because Drake owns 100% of his publishing, so they had to grab it and call it an album. Uh, But it's essentially an OVO mixtape. I felt like that's one of the best projects he ever did. Now, do you feel like that might be, I don't know. I'd say it's a prequel to a classic. So tell me your opinion on that Drake. And, uh, out of all the stuff that you heard so far this quarter, like, do you consider any of it a classic?
2: Well, what's funny about that is that, um, Drake, his, uh, excuse me, Drake's, uh, project is probably going to be the next tale of the tape review that we do. Um, i haven't done that yet but mm. that's probably gonna be the next one coming um in general without without stepping on that too much uh i did not love that uh that project as much um if you can hear if you what is it if you if you can read this it's too it's what is i don't even if, remember the name of it
1: if you can read this if, it's too late if you
2: can read this it's too late yeah okay if you can read this it's too late um yeah that one i mean it here's the thing man with artists as talented as Drake, they don't really make bad music. Very seldom do you see somebody that talented just make something that's just not that good. Like, that's kind of how I felt about Yeezus. I didn't like Yeezus at all, really, except for like maybe three songs. And it was only ten songs altogether. But Kanye West is immensely talented. And so he, he she tried something different. I just wasn't rocking with it. But that doesn't change the fact that he's not immensely talented. And that doesn't mean his next one won't be great. Drake is kind of in the same spot where he can't really make something that's completely whack to me anyways, unless if you're a type of person that really is not into that kind of softer stuff and you are really into some more rugged, traditional gangster rap, then you're not going to really rock with Drake too much. But in general, though, I thought that 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 project was not his best work, in my opinion. Um, It just, I I just, I don't like the fact, I don't like when Drake doesn't rap. I don't like to I don't like him when Drake doesn't rap let's just leave it at that (laughs) like i like like i understand that his singing and stuff is what separates him and and his singing is dope a lot of times but um i just feel like sometimes it can be too much of a good thing and i just i would rather hear him rap more like we heard on uh 6 a.m in new york that record which is the last album the last track on the album or on the mixtape and that drake you don't hear that drake all that often that's that's the drake that i would more so want to hear just him just ripping, you know what I mean, and yeah. not worrying about the, the melodies and the singing and all that stuff as much. And so, um, but it wasn't. It's, it's not like it's whack though compared to what else is out here. But it's just, it's just um, to me. I think that Drake's done a lot better work than that before.
1: Okay, so
2: but, oh, and you, said, you
1: had a second part. You said it about the classic.
2: Yeah,
1: um, I'm about to say, let, me, let me cut in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't cut, real quick. Oh yeah, go like, ahead. Go ahead. I say. The point of this mixtape to me is really to put OVO out there. This was like OVO featuring Drake, and the you know the only reason it came out the way it did is because, of course, it's Drake. So the whole thing being produced by Toronto uh, producers, not really a lot of outside production at all. Um, I think it might have been like one track from somebody that wasn't from Toronto. Uh, it really just showed me that Drake is about to cook up his own little thing, and this is just the first sample. So I'm looking at the more developed version coming out very soon, and I'm thinking the next Drake project will actually be the classic. Uh, I don't, I don't
2: disagree with that. I, I think you make a good point that a lot of, a lot of what he was doing was trying to put his 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 crew on put his team on everything you know he i think he had like the the number six in like five different track titles like it was all about the six and so um he was really trying to hold it down for for toronto on this record and I, i agree with you that that was that was one of his main objectives or so it appeared and so um yeah i mean i don't i don't disagree with that at all i think i think that this could that could be the prequel for the next great drake record drake album or whatever um like i said drake's talent to me surpasses just about anybody it's it's pretty much second to none so i mean nothing that he would do would shock me if he came out with with the best album of the last 10 years on his next album it would not surprise me at all
1: definitely i'm i'm can't wait to see what's going to come next from the dude and see if it's actually going to be on young money cash money now uh your money might be falling apart, bro. <laughs> I, I don't know what's going on over there. I, I got to see, like, is Wayne going to just stay there? Like, something is is different. Like, the whole Young Thug barter six. Like, I just can't make sense. Like, I don't know. I just don't know. I can't even get into it right now because I start babbling, and none of it will make sense anyway. Um <laughs> but tell me like you know first quarter any any classics out of that music you heard I know Kendrick's is a little different how that's that's what everybody's describing it as it's something a lot more jazz influenced I still haven't got my teeth into it but I mean is any of them like if it was in the source magazine five mics or what you got to tell the tape is, is it 10 out of 10
2: yeah um <clears throat> So the tail of the tape is funny because I, I try to, I I infuse a boxing theme into into the uh, into the album views themselves, and so um, nothing that I've heard thus far, uh, I would consider a classic. But here's the thing, man. I'm, I might be different than most people. I don't like to throw around that word, and we kind of touched on this on, on on the last hip hop sports support podcast. just that People, people get too enamored with the word classic. I think it's irresponsible to just sit here and throw that word around. Just like any times uh, a popular artist puts something out, they, they automatically label it a classic, you know? I mean, to, to be a cl- part of being a classic to me is having music that can stand the test of time and not right. something, it can be great in the moment, but if it can't stand the test of time, can we really call it a classic? I mean, classic by definition means that it's it's it can it's it's enduring the music lasts it Mm -hmm. it it carries its influence throughout other artists and other projects and and it influences other people and other musical sounds and and ideas and creativity like to me you can't be a classic overnight that's why i don't even like to do reviews right after the album comes out but if you're if you're going to call something a classic it has to have been around for at least like a year at least. I mean, th- until we really have the full scope of what that project is and and how it's to be interpreted. Looking back on it, um, it it's like it's like calling yeah. uh, it's like calling um, uh, uh, Andrew Wiggins a Hall of Famer. You know, Andrew Wiggins might win Rookie of the Year this year, but you you can't call him a Hall of Famer if he's only been around for one season. Right. So yeah. it's the same thing. Like to me, a classic has to be around for some kind of time before we really know what it is and really fully understand and appreciate it in the moment. Um, It just takes time. And so uh, to answer your question, no, I don't think anything that I've heard recently is a classic, including Kendrick's album. I don't think it's a classic either. The last album that I think that I've heard that is probably the closest thing to considering a classic would probably be um, uh, Kendrick's last album, um, Good Kid, Mad City. That's probably the closest thing that I can think of recently. I thought, um, and I, going back a little bit further than that, I thought Nas's Life is Good was close to that level, and I thought um, uh, oh, Drake's Take Care was close to that level, too.
1: Okay, so Life is Good was was pretty dope, but I think the one before the Untitled, I'm still rocking mm-hmm. to that one right now. Like, I can't get enough mm-hmm. of that. And I, was, I just felt him all the way through it. It was just, it, probably because yeah. it was like pre-Obama, and it just felt, in the moment, it felt good. And then it's like when I I like got a new phone and I was looking for music and I was like, damn, I still like every song on this CD. And it's you know mm-hmm. that's a piece of work too. But man, this it's it's hard to really pinpoint at what point something becomes a classic. But I feel like I could tell after I played through it for. At least a week, because if I still feel like playing through more than eighty percent of the songs, then I'm like, okay, this will probably be in my CD forever. Like, I'm just gonna have to just take it out because I'll just keep listening <laughs> right. to this. And once I hit that point, then I know, all right, that's that's gonna be a classic. I'm um, you know, if I didn't buy it, then I'm gonna have to go buy this one. You know, because uh, right, I can't I can't be uh giving away money i'm not in that position yet but uh right i feel you on that
2: but i mean i think that um I, the the thing about life is good that made a difference to me is that it was Nas making music for for his fan base and for people that are in his age bracket you know what i'm saying it was music specifically to people who are like in their third 40s Right. and i thought that was dope because to me hip-hop is such is such a young man's game and it's so focused on youth and the youth movement and youth culture all that stuff that very seldom do you see artists make relevant music within this genre at that age and Nas was like you know 40 at the time that he made it or whatever or close to it but he's rapping about his daughter and raising his children he's rapping about divorce he's rapping about stuff that's that's real and and Stuff that real people go through on a day to day, so that's what made that album special to me. I don't disagree with you though. I thought I thought the untitled album was dope, and um, you know, I even had somebody I heard somebody on social media say, "Why is Kendrick getting so much love for to pimp a butterfly when Nas did the same thing on the untitled record, you know, five years six years ago?" Mm-hmm. So. Um, I probably shouldn't even have told you that since you haven't listened to it yet. I mean, but, it is um, what it is, bro. It's, it's just
1: something it's, that I heard, you know. Yeah, yeah. no spoiler alerts. I'm I'm not tripping like that. I'm not one of them people <laughs> like, oh, I haven't watched it on my DVR yet. Don't tell me the ending. I'm not tripping, man. I'm straight. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, hey, man, we uh, we've been running quite a bit, and uh, I still got a couple things I got to get to myself. Um, but man, I do appreciate you coming on, Jay. Um, before we get out of here, why don't you tell the people where they can find you and uh, how to get uh, in no contact? Doubt, with man, you. thank you. My bad. Oh yeah,
2: my fault. I didn't mean, I uh, cut you off there. No, thank you for having me, see uh, Man, I appreciate it. And um, and uh, I think it's it's cool to see to see young brothers uh, like yourself, like myself, doing what we're doing out here. And um, we're taking on this podcast thing and, and we're making stuff grow and making stuff happen. Uh, so I appreciate the opportunity, of course, oh, no and no thank doubt. you for reaching out. Um, yeah, uh, hiphopsportsreport.com dot com is my website. Um, I'm on Twitter at twitter.com uh, hhsreport or at hhsreport. I'm on Facebook as well uh, at hhsreport or facebook.com slash hhsreport. And uh, the podcast, <clears throat> excuse me, the podcast is hiphopsportsreport.com dot com um, or hiphopsportsreport podcast on iTunes, I should say. And it's on Stitcher as well, so um, so we're in a lot of places, man. And uh, you know, we talk hip hop, we talk sports, and we try to blend the two when it's necessary. And and we try to speak intelligently and and um, and candidly on both subjects. And we make predictions, and we do a lot of different other fun stuff, man. And we got a lot of changes in the works, and we we've, we've grown a lot within the last year. So um, we're doing a lot of good things over there. So I appreciate anybody that's been supporting to this point, and uh, and and any future supporters of I get off of this podcast thank you very much I appreciate that as well so thank you for the opportunity to see I really had a lot of fun tonight
1: man Man, anytime man and you know I, I had a joy kicking it with you and so man you're always welcome to come back you got something you want to get off your chest you know you're welcome to come over here too yeah. and uh, you know shout out to all my fans out there you know I be having things going on so if y'all miss me on the podcast y'all go check him out see what he doing and uh, you know just add both of them to your feed so what uh, I appreciate it man you coming on and uh you know spending some time and uh so you be easy man
2: yep you do the same we'll have to we'll have to uh, make it work somehow get you back on uh, on our podcast sometime soon we'll make that happen too
1: I oh, most man. just let me know.